On today's episode, Dave interviews Second City alum Ken Hudson Campbell. Ken has been in Armageddon, Home Alone, Groundhog's Day, and Herman's Head. I'm Ian Foley, and this is ADD Comedy. I, I love being across the street from here. Yeah. I really love it. I thought I wasn't going to love it. My neighbor downstairs, neighbor, he's a yogi. He's a yogi. Right. You know, like people are. Yeah. And he only wears white clothes. Okay. And sometimes he goes outside, across the street, and he'll put white face on, and he'll do some weird sun salutation. Yeah. I've never seen him take the garbage out. He has two women, that woman that came by today. Uh-huh. He has two women that come by. Oh, okay. I don't know why. They don't take bags of garbage out? I don't, sometimes they do, but I've never heard him cook. I don't know what he does. I, do, I don't know what he does. He does yogi stuff. Yeah, but it's, it's, I, my downstairs neighbor, she seems to think that they're servicing him. And I'm oh, like, oh, really? Yeah. But I don't know about that. I've got a neighbor like that. She plays the harp and she practices. Mm-hmm. But there's a parade of men coming through. Uh-huh. And I thought, well, maybe that's got to be her manager. <laughs> mm. Well, but that guy's probably her agent. Uh-huh. That guy is probably another musician who she's giving lessons to. Do they, are they the same people coming by all the time? Yeah. And that's why I thought it was the manager. Right. She kept coming home. And then... Uh, I realized she is a single mother uh-huh. because some weekends the kids aren't there, uh-huh. some weekends they are. And then I realized you're spying on your neighbors. And Isn't so, that part uh, of being a neighbor? Isn't that really part of being a neighbor? Is to spy on your neighbors to make it stuff. Not spy on them because I look over here and these people, this woman never fucking, she, her, she leaves at nine o'clock in the morning and her dogs bark at clouds. They fucking, like, they don't stop fucking, right now, it's like, thank God. But, and then she comes home late at night, she walks them, they're quiet whenever they're here. Yeah. But I just look at them and go, I wish you moved. <laughs> fucking move. I want you to move. Why don't you move? Well, if she was a yogi, she could have people coming by and taking care of her dogs. Right. I will take care of her fucking dogs. I will take care of her dogs. And my sister came by once and said to, said to her, boy, your dogs really talk a lot. And she goes, yeah, they do. I'm like, all right, if you know that, then do fucking do something. And what she'll do is she'll leave the house, and she does this intentionally, Kenny, mm-hmm. I know. Okay. She'll leave the house and leave the doors open, the windows open, only on my side. No. I don't know. I can think that if I want. <laughs> you can check the other side of the house and see if... Well, there, it's just one apartment. It's just not a throughway. Okay, so she's opening these and just like closing all the other ones. So it's like, you want to bark? Bark in David's window. <laughs> Good boy. Good boy. Put, you, put the treats right there on the window. Yeah, probably puts the treats and then has like a weird kind of sound that only dogs will bark at. Like periodically, <laughs> she'll call out ahead of time. Go, you don't have a dog. You had a cat. Cat. I have a cat named Dusty who's about 13 years old. Right. Kids love. It's a ragdoll cat. We had an issue with uh, another cat that we got named Momo who was a rescued animal uh-huh. and who... Just shit on the floor. He would shit on the floor uh-huh. and attack Dusty uh-huh. and attack us. Uh-huh. And but we didn't have the heart. I mean, we tried kitty psychologists. What's that? What is kitty psychologists? Well, really? we, that was more of a phone consultation. But, so they didn't uh, come by. They did not come by. But in the end, I had a guy who was the head of a no-kill shelter write me an email saying, "There's really nothing you can do, but euthanize." <laughs> and how, how old was the cat? We kept him for three years. Uh-huh. And, uh, and we never should have. We just never should have. And then we moved in the transition. We couldn't keep the animals apart. And she, he just kept attacking poor Dusty all the time. I mean, literally in a clench. And Dusty was running for her life. And, you know, we had to. We had to. We, we came back to the Pasadena uh, Rescue Center. And then they tried their best to get a home. But as this guy said, he was from another no-kill shelter. How can, you know, you'd have to be insane to keep this cat for a certain amount of time. I'm, yeah. So what you're saying is we were insane. But it's your daughter's cat and you can't. You know, uh, well, well uh, Laura Sebastian had a cat. Do you remember Laura? Mm-hmm. Laura Sebastian had a cat named Max. And Max was a black cat that she was like, oh, like, oh look at the cat. And she has a million fucking cats. <laughs> I'm like, oh, look at the cat. What a great cat. I'm going to keep yeah. the cat. I'm like, there's something wrong with this cat. There's something fucking wrong yeah, with this yeah. cat. And she was not, she could not 
be, I couldn't sleep over at the place anymore. She couldn't, in her apartment anymore, she couldn't move without the cat, like, yeah, clearly right. attacking yeah, right, right. in the middle of the night. Yeah. It's not okay. <laughs> it's not. At a certain point, you have to realize this isn't okay for anybody. It's not okay for that cat either. No, it's not. You pet the thing two two times, good. Third time, <laughs> row. Yeah. No. And, uh, yeah. No. So no. Uh, now we've. No. It's been a little little time. So Michaela's getting ready to have another kitty. So right. we might do that again. But have uh, you thought about a dog? Well, yeah. I, I never had a dog as a kid, so it's. To me, it's not a. I'm not missing a big thing. To me, we. I just, never had a dog either. We never had. We never had. A dog. Did Kathleen? No. Oh, see, right. No. So Katie had dogs, and when yeah. Katie had dogs, and so we or a dog, and I, if I get the story right, and I'd be careful because I think Kate, I found out that Katie's listening to the podcast. She's oh, really? so I gotta be careful what I say. Okay. Yeah. Not careful, but you know, you know, I always say nice things, uh, but I do believe, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, I say nice things. Um, her mother once, I think the dog's name was Farmer or something like that, and her mother just didn't like the cat, the dog, and one day Farmer was gone. Oh, yeah, yeah. And where's Farmer? It's like, I didn't like it, so I took Farmer. Like, what? Wow. Yeah. How do you... You gotta make that a group decision. I also feel like, how do you trust anybody after that point? Mm-hmm. And it's about trust. The more I think about what we do, the more I think, and when I say what we do, I mean is like this, this fucked up world that we live in called being an artist. It's about trust, to trust that shit's gonna work out. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, my son has said, how, how are you so positive all the time? How can you always have this positive outlook on stuff and when you shouldn't? <laughs> <laughs> well, how do you answer that? Like, well, I don't know, I just have always, uh, tried to I mean that's the way we've lived our lives is mm -hmm. when you say we've lived our lives who's? you and me in the acting uh -huh. improv community mm -hmm. you know we've uh, we've lived our lives by hook and by crook right and we've we've learned to trust a friend once said that he worked hard and just things will work out you right know? and it's kind of just giving yourself over to the powers that be and it doesn't always work out well it does work out it doesn't but it no it does work it out can. but it works out in a different way than you thought it was going to work out that's true. there's never something where you go where you say oh this thing happened and i didn't know what to do and then i disappeared <laughs> you know what i mean where you go and then and then he said he didn't know what to do and then he disappeared you know you always know what it is that you're going to do when you get to the point of needing to know the answer to that thing you know what it's like in, you know, the fact that you moving out here or you moving from one place to another, having kids, getting married, you yeah. know, career choices that you have where you go, right. I'm not abandoning this thing, but I'm being sent into this direction to do this particular thing. Right, right. Well, that's how improv started for me was exactly that. I was at Columbia College in the film department and you know, studied uh, my whole life, watched Hitchcock, and, and I was an Orson Welles geek. And, right. Uh, I loved film. I loved the idea of, the, of cinematography and black and white, you know, uh, chiaroscuro and all this stuff. And, and uh, so went to, to film school and was able to make some movies, but really had difficulty coming up with subject matter. Right. Like, I remember I had... A, I did a short film called The Intruder, which is just basically, it was based on a Peter Gabriel song. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know the song. In which it just brought images to my mind, and it was just of a bald-headed Nazi guy running around Chicago, mm -hmm. really for no reason. I uh, <laughs> tried to coax my friend Tom Janis's girlfriend into appearing naked in the film, which she was ready to do until he said no. And, uh, and I really, Janice. I think that the only reason was just I wanted to get her naked. I had all kinds of artistic reasons. Well, I think, but I, think, I didn't have a story. That's the right, point. Right. And this guy, I was at a party one time, and he goes, "If you have, if you ever had problems writing, um, you should go to the Players Workshop of the Second City. Right. Go there, you learn to improvise, and you'll never have problems coming up with an idea again. Uh -huh. You'll never have problems writing or coming up with ideas." So I thought that sounded kind of cool and pretty interesting. And so Tom Janice and I went over there and we enrolled. And, you know, uh, it's funny because <laughs> it sounds so cliche, but first day of classes we went and just as we we're going to open the door, he said, you know, this could change our lives. You Tom know? said that? Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. 
And I said, yeah, who knows, right? And we opened the door, <laughs> and here we are 30, 29 years later. Yeah. No, 30 years later. I'm 84. 84 was when we graduated, so we uh -huh. started classes in 83. And, um, wow, you started before I started. So it was, yeah. it was 30 years ago, yeah. Isn't it crazy? It's crazy that was 30 <laughs> years ago, and it's also crazy when I think about because I was talking to uh, somebody this morning, and I was saying, uh, Kenny Campbell's coming over, and I was thinking, I, I've known you since late 80s, early 90s? 88. 88. Yeah. And, and in that way, like, these are my, and it's not just the idea that these are my dear friends. Yeah. Because we're dear friends. But I also think, like, these are my dear friends because we connect on this level. Uh-oh, uh-oh, your I'm ass so is sorry. making a sound. Um, we connect on this level, and that's perfect sound for that moment. Uh, um, Tyrone Finch, somebody I also met at the Players Workshop in 1983. There was a time where I was here, and we were talking about Richard Label, who we have to talk about every, every episode, and then he <laughs> called me. He fucking called me. It's like, what the fuck is going on? So I look at all those people, and I also look at, at, at people like uh, Danny Breen, who was sitting there in that chair a mm -hmm. couple of weeks ago, right. and to think, that is a person that I didn't know when I was in Chicago, and I thought, I'm going to get to know that person. Yeah. George Went. there's a person that I didn't yep. know. Tim yep. Kazarinski, and go, all these people. And what, for me, I feel like the common denominator is this, what we talked about, the trust. And the idea of opening yourself up and going, I'm not going to know everything that's going on. But yeah. I will have fun through process. You're naming every person that was, who's 8 by 10 was in the room when we opened that door. There's a waiting room at Players Workshop, and on that wall were pictures of Tim Kazarinski, Mary Gross, Miriam Flynn, Shelley Long, George Went, Danny Breen, and all these people. And you go, wow, that's the guy from Not Necessarily the News. That's the guy from Cheers. That's the girl from Cheers and those commercials. Right, and, <laughs> the and commercials. It, and here's this person and this person. And, right. And you're like, whoa, Bill Murray and, right. and Brian Doyle Murray. Right. And then not even a clue that within a few years you will work with every single one of them right and not only work with them but call them friends and uh, and that that's been an amazing part of this journey because not only and and you can try you bring that word trust up they trust you because they know oh yeah 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 he's he's got the pedigree he's from the same area the same there's a little bit of trust you go on some steps they're like who the hell is this right and uh, but with that kind of thing, when you know, when I got to work with Brian Doyle Murray and he was on a show I was doing, I was what I was show like, was that? This is he's my hero. Right, this is my hero. Right. Uh, it was Local Heroes. It was a show that uh, was developed for me uh, by Fox. Right. And, uh, we did seven episodes, uh, and um, you know, it was uh, it went through a transition in the uh, you know who was running Fox, so they kind of scuttled it. Right. But, but we got on the air and. Uh, uh -huh. Jay Moore and I, and um, a guy named Justin uh, Justin Lewis, who now goes by his real name, Lewis <laughs> Anyway, he's a, he's a real good actor. Uh -huh. He ended up on uh, Breaking Bad towards the end. He was the Say My Name guy. I didn't see it. Say I haven't seen it. Apparently, it's a good show. Apparently, it is. <laughs> you know something? That's a show where I started... Uh, didn't really care for the subject matter from what I heard about it. And then, uh, and I so I didn't really watch it, and I was, whatever. And then I saw, I think it was the beginning of the second, or the first season five, and Odenkirk's uh, picture, Bob Odenkirk's poster would be up. And I go, damn, I'm missing out on this. I can't, I can't miss out on this great show that Bob's a part of. Right. And, uh, and not see this, so I started. And I watched the first few episodes, I'm laughing my ass off. Uh -huh. It's Laurel and Hardy. I mean, it is the first half season or the first season is Laurel and Hardy. Uh -huh. And I'm doing nothing but laughing and then going, oh my God, yeah. oh no. And I just love that, pull the rug out from under, uh -huh. set them up, set them up, make them feel comfortable, pull the rug out right. from under them. I, how did you get into Laurel and Hardy? Because I love Laurel and Hardy, and, and I've mentioned this before. My mom used to take Jordy and me, drop us off at the Adelphi Theater in Chicago mm -hmm. on Clark Street on a Saturday afternoon, Saturday afternoon, yeah. where they would just show black and white cartoons, Laurel and Hardy, <laughs> Marx Brothers, W.C. Fields. Yeah. And that's, like, not Three Stooges, but those guys, Buster Keaton. And that's how that started. And I gotta tell you, that's a fucking life changer for me. Well, I don't know if I can put my finger on it, but I know that, like, say, New Year's Eve in Chicago, 
they'll show all the Marx Brothers movies, and and late night W. C. Fields would be on too, and and I I I don't know I can pinpoint Laurel and Hardy, but I do have a bit of a theory on Chicago actors, comedians slash improvisers, and Chicago television. Uh huh. We grew up, you and I, and the Murray brothers, and right. a bunch of other people the from Finn, Chicago. The Finn, the Finn, right, right, Finn, right. Not necessarily the ones who didn't live in Chicago. Right. But we grew up watching Bob Bell and Bozo Circus. Right. And these guys were doing a kid's show, but they were, when stuff messed up or whatever, they went off the page all the time. And we watched them deal with adversity. Ray Rayner. Ray Rayner. Uh, 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 well, I was going to say... Uh, Fraser Thomas, but he didn't really do much. BJ and, BJ and Dirty Dragon? <laughs> BJ and Dirty Dragon, and right. even Sven Gulli. You go right. to Sven Gulli, right. who is still doing it and still is keeping the tradition alive. Right. And we, it's literally from Carol Burnett's show and, and that, and then segueing into in our young adulthood, Saturday Night Live. That's our. That's what we've grown up watching. Right. And we watch those guys struggle through the bits and right. not having the pies go right, and then Bob Bell throwing off, you know, Bozo throwing a line <laughs> about Ringmaster Ned or how many you had the night before, or whatever. And it was just a sensibility that I right. think that we all were comfortable with and adapted. And like, hey, this feels comfortable. Well, it did because we were watching it every morning. And then you went to see. You'd go to see uh, Second City, which was sloppy mm-hmm. at times, yeah. which was uh, people just ragtag group of people. Yeah. And when you look at it and go, it doesn't have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and then people go, I could do that. I could fucking not be perfect. I'm really good at not being perfect. And then you realize as it goes on, the imperfection is what's perfect. Well, yeah, seeing... Uh John Belushi in Animal House was pretty watershed for me because there's a regular guy who is a movie star who's in a movie. Who, right. um, I can do that. I came from Chicago. I can do that. He's right. from down the block. Right. You know, um, and, and that was where you kind of go, hmm, there's something, I can do some of this. It's interesting because I never thought that I, I would look at it, and the company that, I, the first company that I saw, I think, was. Uh, Shelley Long and that group I think that uh-huh. was the first company that I saw and first time when I saw Shelley Long I was like I, I could do that <laughs> that I could do that <laughs> red haired there was a time I could do that right and uh, <laughs> um, but you I never thought could. that that was something that I could do until mm. I went until I went a different route to go through the I.O. route. And then I was, when I was ready to go to Second City, I took classes there. But I looked at it and thought, that's what fucking other people do. Yeah. I never thought that was what I did. The first uh, show like that I ever saw was actually Dudley Riggs in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Because my sister was living up there. And she moved up there in 78, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I went and saw one of their reviews. And uh, who Steve Sheridan could have been in one of those casts, I guess. I think he started there. But they did like a Phil Donahue send up and the guys got the wig and the mic, uh-huh. and, you know. And it was just right in my wheelhouse. Right. This is exactly, it's Mad Magazine right. on stage and, you know, it's a satire. There's another parody. one, Mad Magazine. Where I don't think we've ever talked about Mad Magazine. I've had a hundred, over a hundred episodes of this and nobody ever talks about it. But Mad was sloppy. Oh, it yeah. was imperfect. It was also sexy. It was Se- stupid. Uh, Self-degradating. De- uh, yeah, right, you know, right, uh, right. You know, 50 cents cheap. Right. And, what, me know. worry? And everybody's ugly? <laughs> I could do that. I could be ugly. Yeah, <laughs> no, that, that's a huge influence. And maybe Mad TV had something to do with messing that up or something. I don't know. I mean, I was never a huge fan of uh, Mad no, TV. No, neither was I. And not, but the, certainly a lot of great people came out of that show. Do you think that you would have gone the... If you if you moved here, if you didn't do Second City, would you do the Groundlings route? I don't know. I mean, I I don't know because it was uh, one thing led to another. You know, film school. This guy tells us to go to this place to learn how Who to write. Who was that guy? I don't even know. I don't. Uh, I think his name was Howard, but I don't really remember his mm-hmm. last name. And then what happened was that Tom and I found a group of people in that we, you know, like everybody falls in love with improv. Right. And we had a great teacher, Doug Vogel. Uh-huh. And you know what? It's not bad for somebody because I'm not a Dell guy. 
I did not study with Dell. No. And so many of your people that you've interviewed and Jews. And have, <laughs> um, boy, we were light on the Jews over there, weren't we? Uh, but <laughs> except for the people that owned it, ran it. Yeah, except right? for Joe. But uh, but we found this group of people that we loved. We did our grad show in July of '84, and right. then we took seven people out of that twenty-person cast. Right. And we made our own uh, group, which right. we that fall put out our first show. Uh-huh. And it was games and scenes. And then we had... Um, Who was in that group? That's Scott Allman, right. Tom Janis, myself. Kathleen? No. And uh-huh. then about four other people you don't know. Uh-huh. Carrie McGovern, Scott Martin, Bobby Panter, and a girl named Kathy Mitchell, who to this day is still one of the funniest people I've ever seen perform, but she's out of the business. Uh-huh. All four of those people are pretty much out of the business now. Um, but, uh, but we had this, you know, wonderful thing that we wanted to keep going. And then we wanted to get serious, and some of the other guys weren't really as serious as Scott and Tom and I were. Uh-huh. And so we ended up parting ways with most of them, and, and Bobby moved out with Jill Talley out to, uh, out to L.A. And um, anyway, we started putting together a new uh, squad, a new, new uh, cast, but we had, through some Cleveland friends, and Tyrone Finch is one of them, who, and Kathy Mitchell was a Cleveland person, they knew two guys. Bill Payne, who founded the American Blues Theater. Yes. And Rick Cleveland. Yes. And Rick Cleveland, if, if we had a Dell, it was Rick Cleveland. Right. Rick Cleveland came in and ran workshops with us. Uh-huh. And so did Rick Thomas, actually. Rick Thomas from Second City. From Second City, right. right. And... And Bill and Tom directed, co-directed our next show, which mm-hmm. was called Living Like Normal People. Bill and Tom Janice. Tom Janice. Yeah. They co-directed right. the next show. Uh-huh. And uh, we got a sketch. good review. It sketch. was Sketch with a couple games thrown uh-huh. in. Oh, well, wait. I'm sorry. That was the, the first show was Sketch with a couple. This was still Sketch, but there were no blackouts. Right. We were never lights up and down. Uh-huh. We transitioned from one scene to the next. Got it. Which I think later Tom kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. used that idea in Pinata Full of Bees, which was a great success. Oh my God. Game changer. Um, yeah. And people yeah. chalk that up to Mick. That's not Mick's show, that's Tom Janice's no, show. No, that's right. And, and he developed that style with Bill Payne and our show, Living Like Normal People, which got a good review from Richard Christensen. Right. And that's when my parents, that's where they turned. Right. And they already knew things were going well, mm-hmm. and they had seen me doing it and right. all that. But the minute Richard Christensen, <laughs> the, you know, the, the entertainment editor of the, of the Chicago Tribune, gave us a good review, well, that, then it started I, to make sense. That's such a huge thing, because I remember my dad and mom, you know, God bless them, and they've been supportive as much as they could handle it, because you can't ask anybody to do anything outside of their own wheelhouse. But the, until I got into Second City, I don't think my dad really thought what I was doing was all that. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, you know, don't you think you're chasing rainbows, that kind of shit. Yeah, and it's like, right. that's, you know, that's not going to, that didn't fly with him until I got into Second City. Yeah. And at that moment, it didn't change me, it changed them. And because it changed them, it gave me that, that it gave me more of a, it gave me a stronger foundation yeah. upon which to pursue this. Sure. Because yeah. the moment that you know your folks are behind you, either you give up on your folks or you go, sooner or later they're going to come around. Right. And when they do come around, you breathe. I mean, just you telling that story made me go, oh, I know exactly what that's like. <laughs> it's true. By the time we were doing It's a Dog's Life, they were at the show every other week. You know, they had been there so many times. Yeah. Well, I've seen your, par- <laughs> your, I've seen your parents at shows. Uh, I've, you know, I've seen your parents at shows many times. I feel like I know them. Yeah, sure. Uh, or I knew them back then. Well, my and dad asks about you from time to time. Yeah. And, 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 and also another thing is we're all coming up together. So this fucking family. Mm-hmm. And... I was talking to somebody yesterday who went to see The Groundlings, a show that The Groundlings did, did, and there was so much enmity and jealousy and things like that. And maybe that was just this person I was talking to. But I don't, I never felt any of that stuff coming up. Yeah, well, I don't think, I don't know. I think that, and I, I, granted, I think that, you know, we, uh, we tend to favor our family or where we come from. I think the Growlings is a much different place. And when I came and saw them, I said, how can anybody even say Growlings and Second City in the same breath? Uh, but I don't mean to trash Growlings because so many good people have come out of there. Right. I just see their process being so different. 
let's create a character versus social satire, social awareness, like group, how does this group react to this? How do right. these people interact? Like, not like, I'm Potato Jones! <laughs> You know, and, I and, talk about Chicken Man. That's when I go, "Hey, everybody, it's Chicken Man." You know, that's my example. The ground things. Yeah, I mean, I think we had some of those characters. Some of those things happened, but for the most well, part, we were creating stuff together. I also think about the characters that you had, and I, uh, like, if you want to, because you had abort. Uh, what was it? Abortion the clown. Oh, pro life the pro life the clown. And pro life the clown pro-life always the clown coming into town. Vote abortion down. I'm pro life the clown. And that was <laughs> tongue in cheek, and it wasn't over the top. And also, pro life the clown was a sad fucking character. Yeah, yeah. And balloon animals that you made, and it's like, oh, I'm sorry, what is this? It's a baby, and then you popped it. And it's like, yeah, but it had an abortion, and, and no little brother for you. <laughs> exactly, but you had that, and you there were other characters that you had with. Um, Good day. What is it? Uh, the hello, hello, hello. Yeah, it was just right. uh, me and Carell being uh, the the handsome cabbies. Who exactly, but those couldn't hands- make a buck, so they figured they would, you know, uh, English it up a little bit and. Uh, those weren't, I didn't see those as large characters. I, no, this is what I saw them. I didn't see those as caricatures. I saw mm-hmm. them as characters. Yeah. And I think that there's a difference with what Second City does, because I think that there are Second City characters who would yeah. change in the scene, as opposed to uh, Potato Joe, or whatever it was, the example <laughs> that you gave, or Chicken Man, you know. Uh, and because I sit at a Second City show and I go, oh, I know those people, but I don't know Chicken Man and Potato Joe. Well, one scene that you you and I did together, which to me is, I don't know, one of the great scenes in Second City, which still would work well today, is the video scene, right? Which was around the first Gulf War, and you couldn't do that scene with Potato Joe, you know, with one character. That was an ensemble scene of six people. It created something that took the audience and, and, and set them up and pulled the rug right out from under. Right. And you know, just to briefly encapsulate, it's a, a family sending a video message to their daughter who is overseas. And, and, in the Iraq war, and, and in, the, the, in the Gulf War. In the first Gulf War, right. right. And their, their codependency and their dysfunction all comes out through the video. Right. And so that the person who's watching it either is warmed by seeing their family and their true state or they're oh my they're horrified oh my god nothing changes their friends are horrified you know it's like this is your family what the fuck is wrong with you people (laughs) but the thing about that scene though was i don't know if you remember how it it came up somebody brought it in that day Mm -hmm. we did it in rehearsal we did it in the set and i gotta say i think it was in the show the next day it was pretty much uh, intact right but there's this creativity that we had, and I think that that was the show that Mick directed, right? Yes. And that show took six weeks to do. Right. And there was some great, there was the pool hole scene in that scene. Mm-hmm. There was Penny Nichols was in that scene. I don't want to talk yeah. about what all these things are about. Right. But there were so many good scenes because everybody trusted each other. And I think that if anybody's, I, I feel like if you're struggling with people in your group or at your work or wherever the fuck you are and they're making your life miserable, get the fuck out yeah because you can't create and you can't breathe yeah yeah a lot of times too you're struggling to get that one cast member a scene or two because they're not working and it's uh and there's some very generous cast members who will spend their time doing every scene that person wants them to do and they just kind of end up you know short and uh and it's nice to have people who are that generous right and that and that you could trust every time right and it's guys like you and steve carell who you could be no problem put me in a scene with either one of you guys and i totally agree i totally agree and i look at that too and i also think that that i I know what you're talking about where there is one cast member who didn't doesn't know how to fucking do it or is having a hard time with it or was there got there for some fucking reason Mm -hmm. and i would spend that much time while you and Allman or Amy and <laughs> Steve. Far less generous people. Would, <laughs> you know, I would struggle with like a, a scene where there was a, uh, where it's like the, uh, where there, there was a, uh, what was it, what was it? A dwarf 
in a library. A gnome. Gnome. <laughs> or you and I did that. We did a mound. I don't remember. Mound was like you were pitching or I was pitching and you were my you were my my mom or my dad and you kept going you kept walking out it was like at Wrigley Field it was oh, Mound wow. and you were you whatever it doesn't matter it doesn't matter it doesn't matter doesn't you matter. might be mistaking me for another second nope. seed big guy I don't think so I don't well, think so I I I know this Dave that I did four shows at Second City and I we I wrote them or I mean I wrote we wrote them and but I did four shows in a year and a half right. Three, we did three in one year at Northwest, and then you and I went to ETC. Right. And we opened up a show only weeks after having opened. We started working on the, that four show only weeks after having start, opened the Mix show. And that was, that was Mix Barb. first. But it was Barb shows in ETC, right? <clears throat> Excuse me, yes. And uh, I think it didn't it get nominated for it got nominated. Yeah. It got nominated, it got for, nominated, nominated for it. But it was a beautiful show. There were some, you know, there were some really great scenes in there. And... But here's another thing. Look at the actors that were in that show. These yeah. were actors in that fucking show. Yeah. Peter Burns. Right. Rose. Rose. Franny. Uh-huh. Uh, Meg. Megan Moore Burns. And you, know. and you and me and you, me and Peter. So it was three and three. It yeah. wasn't the usual second city, you know, four and two. And to have Barb Wallace teach, uh, direct this thing where it became, it was really fucking funny. And, it, and people... It was hard at first, remember it was, that? Well, well, I, well, Joyce called me in because she said, they're really having a hard time. And because <laughs> you guys were all brought up from Northwest and I wasn't brought up. I was brought up later. And they were saying, oh. I, they were saying we're having a hard time. I'm throwing Dave in there oh, to yeah. be the clown. And so uh. the minute I was there, I didn't see any of that stuff that was going on. I didn't see any of that other stuff that's going yeah. on. Yeah. No, it was not. It wasn't going well. We were spending a lot of time talking. Right. You know. Right. Um, and I, I got to tell you that talking stuff doesn't, it doesn't fucking fly. And from coming in from such a fertile ground of improvising with Mick and, right. and you know, I still will think of things that he said, like, you know, don't say it should be like this. Never say that because you're telling the person it can't be like what you just did. It should be the way I'm telling you right now. Yep. And that's another trust thing is uh, it could be right you know what it could be because you're, you're, you're making it should is a value judgment yeah and i and i say you know don't shit on yourself because it is that <laughs> at that where you go if my, my marriage was like that my marriage yeah. was a lot of should yeah. and i always felt i didn't understand whenever that word would come about how it would it was deflating to me yeah and then i would look i would parse that sentence out and say what part of that sentence doesn't feel good Right. What part of that sense am I swallowing that it doesn't taste right? And should was the thing where it's like, no, could feel so much better. Right, right. And because I could be wrong. Exactly. You know, and maybe you're partly right and maybe I'm partly right. Maybe together we, we come up with something better. And, and then that process, you know, not that Barb's process wasn't good, but it just was mixed process with so much more. Uh, well, fertile to use that word again. Just it was such a great way to create, and we all just snapped to it. And six weeks, dude. Yeah, six weeks yeah. to put a show up in six weeks. Yeah. And I look at that show, and I think that was one of the most fun experiences I've ever had in my oh, life. Oh yeah. And you also look at the cast, and you know, I don't think that I would go camping with everybody. But as a matter of fact, I think there is a picture of us <laughs> at Joyce's place. Was that was that you? Was he yeah, but that was Crowley's. Uh, that was Crowley's, right? That was Crowley's show. Yeah. So he's in there, and were you in that? Corral and you and I and I have it so Robano. Right. I can't find it. Jimmy Yeah. Yeah, yeah, wait. I'm gonna put this down. I'm gonna look at it right now. Because I have it. Okay. I was very proud of well that Yeah, is that the picture? Yeah. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Because there's Claudia and Faith. Right. Faith Salloway, you got Kevin Crowley, Dave Rosowski, me, Amy Sedaris, Cocktail. <laughs> but, but looking at all those people, and and so the co the comparison between what we do and what uh, what the groundlings, I walk into that space, and you know I don't mean to knock it, but I I just walk in and go, there's something, you know, there's something happening here, <laughs> uh, and yet I look at this crew, and yeah, we had trouble, but I don't remember it, we had fun. I don't I know. Think What's set, I think they set it up. Who's they? Uh, the Groundlings set it up for more competition. Right. 
Um, I was reading a, an article about them recently, and it, I think that, and I'm, I'm probably talking out my ass here, but th there's something about the way that they there there are spots, and then if you don't get in, if you get in this show, then you get into that. Whereas at Second City, it was more like, well, Farley's going to be on the main stage for the next who knows how long, so you know I I, I can sit back. That's my type. You right, know? right. So I, I'm, I'm not in the running for anything anytime soon. Well, then he's to SNL. Right. Okay. Well, we see what happens now. And then another director is going to come in and go. You know what? I want to, I want to mix up the, uh, yeah. the, 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 uh, the, the gender. Right. So I have five women and two men. I don't know if that's ever happened. But or bring in somebody else. Uh, bring in Odenkirk from SNL. Or Was whatever. he on SNL and then went to? Yeah, he was a writer on SNL, and Janice brought him back uh, to open that show. Right. And then he wrote. You know, uh, Van Down scene. by the River. Yeah, he wrote uh, that for Farley. Right. And then, you know, the rest is history. Right, right. But yeah, no, uh, different things happen, but it seemed like at Second City, there was not only, I don't think anybody really ever, do you think anybody ever really benefited from the post office thing? Or was it, was it When you really say the post office thing, you mean? Just, uh, you know. Um, Everybody's entitled to move up. You will move up. By virtue of seniority. Right. Versus talent. I don't think that ever really happened. No, no, no. I think people thought that that had happened. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you look at someone like Mia coming in and someone going, where the fuck did she come from? She hasn't paid her dues. Right. And yet, I thought she did, for the most part, she did a fine job, you know? Um, uh, who else was moving up? One of the things about Second City was you they seldom fired anybody. Yeah, right. A Garland. Yeah. It was the only one I know. It was hard to get... Uh, it wasn't just Garland. It was also somebody else. Yeah. Charlie. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yes. I don't... Did he ever... Was he fired from the whole place, though? Who? Was it Charlie? Uh, no, he was dem demoted. Right. Just that. He was just demoted. That. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I don't know why Jeff... I was already gone by then. Jeff replaced me. Right, Garland. Right, right. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, and that was a hard fucking show, dude. That was a really hard show to do. <laughs> you know? Was, well, but, he, the, but the best part of that show was, for me, and taking my memory from it... What show was that? Is the fourth show that, that you're talking about, the Jeff... Oh, right. Uh, the, was, the Our uh, Town show. We made a Mesopotamia, now you clean it up. God, that was before that, wasn't it? No, that was the one... Garland didn't open that show. No, he didn't open it. I opened it. Right. Before, that was oh, the that's a show. show. I see. Right. Because Globally right. named that right. show. Right. So, uh, Cash Stations of the Cross. I just remember you and I doing Wrigley Field. You right. know, like, let's make this Wrigley Field <laughs> and let's just go hang out. And we would just mess around. And it was just us, like, we want to do a Wrigley Field scene, so we're going to do it. And it ends up with us running up to the luxury boxes and heading. <laughs> But running around Beheading with the rich people. Exactly. <laughs> but we also had Roy Leonard, you know, doing that voiceover. And, mm -hmm. uh, Roy uh, Leonard and even... Uh, what's the, his name? Singing the National The guy Anthem. who got shot in the throat. Right, Wayne right. Mesmer. Wayne Mesmer. <laughs> Wayne Mesmer. And then Joyce... Oh, this was a different show with Joyce and... Uh, oh, my God. But the creativity <laughs> and also being in Chicago where you're able to use... Uh, Roy Leonard and Wayne Mesmer and mm -hmm. all these people and there's something that I wonder if it's still there because you talk about WGN and the independent you know television station yeah. and how and WFLD and that independent station yeah. which is now Fox and you look at all those things and you think um, uh, uh, again going back to I can do anything and there's this uh, a f Chicago TV seemed like a family yeah and yeah. it also seemed like, it seemed like a family. Ring, My family. Ringmaster Ned was the father and Fraser Thomas was the uncle who touched you inappropriately. Exactly. Touched by an uncle. <laughs> Your favorite TV show. <laughs> no, yeah. Do you uh, get Me TV? Do you get Me TV here? Mm, I don't know. Well, don't. you should look for it because uh, it's out of Chicago. Uh -huh. It's all old shows. Uh -huh. A good friend of mine, Joe E. Dale, does the promos for them. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, and he's a TV nut and has been his whole life. And you can see it in the promos. You can see the love he has for it. But they have on Sunday nights at 10 o'clock nationally broadcast Son of Svengooli. And, uh, and I, every night, well, if I'm not DVRing, I'm watching it with my son or my daughter. Right, or, right. Or nobody. Right. <laughs> 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 
and it's you know bad puns and you right. know, the whole thing but he's still doing it and it's just so fun to watch and he's it's like oh my my long lost cousin because i was watching that even in college years right. and in the years when we were at the second city or before and just dying laughing right. just with the stupidest stuff do you remember, I'm going to bring this up, and you probably don't want it brought up, but I'm going to bring it up anyway. Do you remember when we were in Green Bay or Madison, and there was a freeze tag at the end? And I pooped in my pants. And you pooped your pants? <laughs> that was one of my favorite stories, <laughs> that you pooped your pants. Oh, this is terrible. Well, yeah, well, we had the tendency on the road to go out and light it up at night. And uh, we uh, were on stage the next day in Green Bay, and we're playing Switch. And, uh, and, you know, we would stand along the back of the stage and then we'd come forward to do the scene. So I was doing a scene and somebody came and did like a karate thing and I like did a high key, hi yeah, And now, ho, ho ya, ha 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 ha. And then somebody yells, freeze, you know, oh, thank God. All right, now please tap me out, please tap me out, please tap me out. And then they tap me out, okay. And I did with the walk straight backwards, you know. <laughs> I was wearing black pants, so it wasn't a big problem, but it was like, you know, stand back. And then, all right, now I don't have to do anything until the lights go out. What's the next scene? Ah, the next scene is that girl, that two-girl scene that was them in the, they're in the bathroom and they're getting ready. It was the uh, women's scene. I don't remember because okay, okay. I was not Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It was a Judith Scott and, and Hollywood Chelsea. I think that, okay, yeah, yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah. so anyway, uh, I knew I had a certain amount of time. And so I rush down back into the back of this. There's the bathroom. I get in the bathroom. No toilet paper. There's no toilet paper. So I know I have at least seven minutes or something. And I'm thinking, what am I going to do? And this is in a, it's even inappropriate for a podcast. But I take off my pants. I take my underwear. I use my underwear as toilet paper. I put it into the garbage, <laughs> but I put it underneath some other garbage so nobody can right. see. Yeah, yeah. And washed up, cleaned up, zip, 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 boom, 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 to boom, cue on stage. Hey, ha ha cha cha! I'm ready to go. It was probably the most horrifying oh, five I'm and a half minutes. I thought of my that life. I thought you missed the curtain call, but you, uh, I thought it was like, no. "Where's Kenny?" It was like, "What happened to Kenny? Where's Kenny?" No, Where's no, Kenny? I, I made the next scene. I think an, anybody who's scene. ever been on the road or not on the road knows what that feeling is. The idea, and because I, there have been a couple times where I, uh, I a couple times I've shit my pants, and you go downstairs and there's no fucking toilet paper. You're like, "How do people live like this? How do you fucking animals live like this?" <laughs> well, you've used whatever you can in the moment. It's crazy. Somebody told it. Uh, somebody told this story about lighting a fart on the road. They were all like a bunch of stand-ups, and they lit a fart on the road, and it, it, it had, it had, it had, it had fertilizer in it, and it was it caused the drapes on fire. It's like flaming turd. Catches the drapes on fire. I think that's the story. Label will correct me on that. Wow. So that was a nude lighting of the fart then? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah Something like that. I would think you would have a buffer in between there. You think some type of filtering or system. Or the idea of you know being pants. with a bunch of guys and, and being on the road. But, oh, my God. Do you remember? <laughs> were you with us when we did the... Um, it was... Uh, uh, it was uh, uh, Liza Coyle, um, Christina Dunn. We were in the Daniel Boone Motor Lodge. And we went, we drove up, and Jackie, I think, was in the company too. Maybe I'm just, We drove up, and it was just this hellhole. And Christine says, I'm not staying here. I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I will stay there. I don't give a shit where we're going to stay. <laughs> and, uh, and we called up Lynette, who was, you know, booking it. I was like, couldn't get in touch with Lynette. And we walk into the hotel room, uh, and I'm like, fuck it, we're staying here. And I look at the bathroom. I might have told this story before. We look in the bathroom, and Corel's my 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 uh, my roommate. We look in the bathroom, and I and I, I grab my bag, and I about to throw it on the bed, and he stops my arm, and he says, "Look," and there was a big blood stain on the duvet cover. And I was like, "Fuck this, we're not staying here." Wow! Right? Wow. Right? You didn't need the black light for that. No, you don't need the black light. You don't need the black light. You don't well, need the black that light. would be that would precede me because I took either Robano's or Carell's spot uh -huh. in Redco, but Liza Coyle would not green have co. been there. Greenco. Redco. I thought I was green. We were never green. All right, then I have no idea. What green the was after you were even out of the touring company. I don't know. 
No, it was red and blue, and we were red, and you were, I came in for, I think it was Rabano. <coughs> or no, it was, I'm not, no, I never toured with Carell. I think they both went to Northwest around the same time. Uh-huh. It's pretty crazy what's and going on. And Liza came in later, too. Liza uh-huh. came in after me. She was never in a cast with Christina that I know of. Well, maybe they were the same. Maybe I'm just imagining the whole fucking thing. I'm, you have a better memory of, than I do about that kind well, of stuff. I don't know about that, but certain areas, uh, maybe so. I don't yeah, know. Uh, I remember pooping in my pants. We both remember that. I do remember that. <laughs> that, <happened. laughs> that did happen. I also remember getting high in Rose, Rose Abdu's first show with you and Allman before the... Can I talk about that? Yeah, all right, right, sure. Well, it wasn't you. It was somebody else. <laughs> and, uh, and then I got, I got high, and it was the first time in a show I got high, and it was that Crowley scene where I had to set everybody up. It was scared straight, scared. Oh scared. yeah, right. And I had to set everybody up, and I just went off at the beginning of a show, <laughs> beginning of a fucking show, and I didn't remember a goddamn thing. And Rose is like, "Why do you remember? You don't remember?" It's like, "Oh, nobody can help you. I mm. never want to do that again." No, no. There's a time and a place for everything. I think. Right. And you want people to be able to trust you. Go back to that. Right. Right. Now uh, we did a lot of. Uh, we did a, Blue Co got all the good gigs like the ski trips That's and right. California stuff and we right. did a lot of industrial <laughs> right. and then like local stuff but we did tour from time to time out and oh. about but uh, did we well we would get the ski tour but we would go they would send us to Colorado in May I heard you tell one of my stories on a couple of podcasts ago it might have been Jackie Hoffman's where we the Phil Robidoux story oh yeah was that that was your story which right was, yeah which was uh, that was one of my favorite stories anyway, ever. yeah where you're on you're doing too, way too many industrials and you've used the guy's name from the company the week before <laughs> to get all the laughs and you're like why aren't they laughing Phil Robidoux was last week <laughs> it's Tom Sabadow right you but know. it was Phil Robidoux but right it was Phil Robidoux <laughs> <laughs> and Bill Robidoux Quaker Oats Man and uh, that was a dancing Quaker Oats Man once we did all kinds of uh, interesting shows and wrote a lot of that stuff right. too and, right. uh, and thought we were being compensated pretty well well you go we're getting paid $250 a week well, when you're getting paid 65 a show. 65 a fucking show. Yeah, and and I don't think it's changed. 15 for if they didn't feed. Wait, 15 if they fed you for, uh, you know, uh, per diem. Right. 15 if they fed you, 25 if they didn't. Well, I think I remember you and Scott. You're like, you guys are, uh, you and Scott in particular, um, you guys brought a professionalism and also a demand to be treated in a certain way that I think a lot of us didn't have. Mm-hmm. And what I mean were, for you and for, for Scotty, there were certain things that were not okay. It, it's not okay for you to treat us like that, or it's not okay for you not to pay us, or it's not okay. And I was like, yeah. don't, don't, right. don't. But now, but that's, and I think about that a lot. Like I think what, what, what you would do and what Scotty would do and what a label would do, where you go, no, we get paid for that. We get compensated for that. Yeah. We want that. We deserve that. And I think that what's happening now for me, and it's taken me this long, is to say, no, I, there's an expertise that I have, and I tell you how you treat me. Right. I let you treat me in a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it can backfire on you, too, because it can become an entitlement thing. And you come to Hollywood and you think like, hey, man, I got it all going on. Bring it to me. It's my, you know. Well, wouldn't you rather err on the side of what you deserve than err on the side? Because sooner or later you're going to realize that you don't get. But I want to be able to ask for that. Yeah, but then, you know, you do. it has created some of those diva situations where you have big time stand up people who think. Is that that you? No. Right. No. But but, uh, to be fair, I think that I've. I've lost opportunities in the past because of, uh, you know, thinking I was hot shit. And yet, this is the humbling town of all humbling towns. And I've certainly had my share of being humbled. Mm-hmm. And um, and sometimes you do have to go, you know, these are these are people working behind the cameras. These are people writing the words. These are people producing. These are people with, and and um, making the costumes and all of that. And uh, which sounds like, well, Kenny, of course there are people, you know, but you get you you can easily here be fed so much bullshit that you start thinking, well, I'm the one. I'm the one who matters. Right. You know, this is about me. This is my show. Right. 
you know, I remember uh, arguing with Tony Thomas from Wit Thomas right. about my show. And I said, you know, I said, I don't want to do this. This is my show. He goes, it's not your show. It's not your show. On the back of the chairs, it says Wit Thomas, WT. I'm Thomas. It's my show. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and what did you think of that moment? What happened in that moment? What did you think in that moment? I had to eat a little crow and right. realize, you know what? That's true. But this isn't exactly what I signed up for. I mean, lo we talked about local heroes before, and I had a creative consultant tag on that, right? right. Um, but I wasn't a producer. And so when I got the first draft of the script, I, you know, it was, um, it, it was the, the guys had stolen a goat from, their high, from the rival high school. Mm -hmm. They're 10 years out of, out of high school, but they went and stole the mascot, uh -huh. and they're sneaking it into the basement. I said, I came in here and I told you I want to do a show about real people in real situations. And that was the Contents Under Pressure coda. Real people in real situations. Those are the people like the, the Tom Jennison, like all those people that you worked with That before. I worked with right, before. Right. That was our thing. Was, right. You know, real people in real situations. I, I don't know anybody who has kidnapped a goat. I don't know many people. And he's like, it happens. It happens. It's funny. I'm like, no, it doesn't happen. And like, I think it was a couple weeks later, a Brady Bunch. Oh, yeah, well, Greg Brady stole a goat <laughs> once. But that's exactly <laughs> what I didn't want to do. And I, I had notes. I had notes. We sat down with the pilot. And after the first page, he closed. He goes, I'm not going to take any of your notes. And he said that to you. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I said, well, hey, this is my show. And, no, it's not your show. Right. It's my show. There's another guy telling me that my show wasn't my show. Um, but uh, I'm being paid to write this. And if I, I'm going to write what I want because my ass is on the line. Right. And if I change it to what you want and, I, and it's no good, I'm the one who gets shit canned. I'm the one who's, whose neck is on the line. Right. So you do your job and I'll do it. I'm, but I'm a creative consultant like Alan Alda in MASH. I'm a creative consultant. It meant nothing. Right. And, then, and, and my input you know, was taken from time to time. But it was not a situation where I had, you know, the, the ability to call the shots. And that was, again, a humbling experience. Right. Where you realize, fuck, you know. And then the next thing you know, you don't have your own show anymore. And you're back out auditioning and you're doing it. And, you know. It is, it is. The city is a humbling city. Yeah, yeah, no question. And it, I think that if you aren't humbled by it, it will crush you. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think that the people who... It, it, they get out of control, and um, and you don't see them again. Right. You know, or they keep trying <laughs> to resurface. Like, where are they? Well, like, look at Roseanne. Like, she's trying, keeps trying to resurface. She gets crazier and crazier all the time. Or who was the one, Blair? Uh, uh, Blair, Bra Brett, Blair, Blair, Brett, Blair, Brett, Brett. <laughs> we can't even remember her name. And she was a tyrant, you know. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, uh, yeah, you know her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's yeah. the example. Right. Well, I had, I, of all the people that I've worked with in in L.A., Roseanne was the worst because the way that she treated everybody on that yeah, show. Norm Macdonald told me they she gave the writers numbers that she would refer to them as numbers because she didn't want to learn names. And number four, what do you think of that one? Do you have a line? <laughs> it's not okay. No. And I also believe that further down the line, people will remember you and not fucking want to work with you. And then look at a guy like Drew Carey, who uh -huh. had goodwill and loved his crew and his cast and, and, and took them out on trips and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I'm not saying that he ended up any, you know, any better, but that's just, at least we didn't remember his name. Right. You know, it's just a different way of treating people. Right. And I, like another thing, I, I worked with Bruce Stern once. Name drop. I worked with Bruce Stern once and he said, you know, I, I always like to, when I'm on a movie, I never go and sit in my trailer. I like to be out and be learning about what's going on, and I learn something every day, and even though it was a dumb submarine movie, you know, mm -hmm. I, he's out there every day. And, and then I heard about somebody else who, every time they're on a set, introduced themselves to every crew member. and right. got to know all their names right, right away, first day. It makes such a difference, because I would just walk in like, okay, hey, it's time, okay, take pictures of me now. And, uh, and I, you know, I didn't know the Hollywood or the the way of uh, of film of, of of television and film here in Hollywood or anywhere really, and it's really not any different than anywhere else. Treat everybody with respect, and and they'll treat you well. You know? I, I totally as you're 
as you're talking about that, I'm thinking it's just like life. You walk into a place and you see people as people. But it's also what you said earlier about the, everybody that's on that crew is somebody. Yeah. Everybody that's on that crew is somebody. And everybody that watches that show is somebody. And everybody yeah. knows somebody. And, and I remember, go, I haven't done a lot of TV, but I remember Fred Savage rem remembering my name from yeah. the second time I did it. I remember how yeah. nice he was to everybody. Right. And, and there's, you know, the word on the street is he's a fucking great guy. Yeah. And I remember walking into doing, um, not working, but um, what's the Michael J. Fox show that Charlie Sheen took over? Mm -hmm. That was the, uh, the they were, it, it was- uh, The mayor. He <laughs> was the mayor. <laughs> Uh, Richard Kind was on Richard it. Richard Kind was on it. Michael Boatman was on it. it was like that the, show. Yeah, that was that show. So I remember walking in, and I remember walking across the hall, walking towards the table read, and there's a table, and Heather Locklear, I might have told this story before, Heather Locklear is waving at somebody behind me, <laughs> yeah. and she's waving at somebody behind me, and, uh, and I'm walking towards the table, and she's waving, and she's looking at me going, I'm waving at you. And I'm thinking, I don't know you. How are you? She goes, and what you, wh where do you think you are? Don't you see me? And I'm like, oh, I don't think. It's like, why wouldn't you see that? Why would you wave to me? Why would you wave? It right. must be someone else. Exactly. I've got the opposite. So it's, uh, I'm working on Bewitched, and we're a whole group of us, and me and uh, Dag, David Allen Greer, and Colbert, and uh, Jim Turner. And anyway, we were, they didn't use us much. We sat in the trailer for weeks on that. But they brought us up for this wedding scene. And Shirley MacLaine and Michael Caine are in it. And Shirley MacLaine goes to me, she goes, you guys are so funny when you do your thing. You're so funny and so fun to watch and everything is so nice. I'm so glad you guys are in the scene with us again today. I'm like, well, thank you, Shirley, that's really great. And then I see Michael Caine going like, and I'm like, Hi, Michael. Yeah, I'm Ken Campbell. He's, yeah, we're trying to take a picture. Can you move out of there? <laughs> <laughs> so that time he was waving. It's, it's all about humbling. It's all about humbling. Well, yeah, more okay. humbling. No, all right. right. More humbling. More humbling. <laughs> but I also love the fact that whenever I get to work, I get to work. Whenever somebody goes, oh, you booked or whatever, it's like, oh, fuck, I booked. And every time I'm, mo every moment I'm on there, because you know what it's like, the potential to go, okay, I got this job. Will I ever work again? You haven't even <laughs> finished the job yet, and you yeah. think, will I ever work again? Mm. It's like getting SAG insurance, where you got, I got SAG insurance. The day that you get it, you go, yeah. will I ever get it again? Yeah, we're gonna, am, am, I gonna, again? am I going to qualify again? Am I going to qualify again? And then you do some sitcoms for three years, and you wonder, will I ever work again? <laughs> exactly. No one will ever hire me again after that mess. Oh my God! But yeah, and I surprising. and there's also like money that you get that suddenly. And I think, what are what happened to a lot of these people that were in these shows that are getting oogles of residuals? Like like uh, anybody from Mash? Yeah. What's happening to those people? I think they're dying. Like Father Mulcahy, there. is he still alive? You know, I'm, I'm not sure about him, but I think a, a lot of them have been passing away. I met a guy on uh, Herman's Head whose name was uh, Jim uh, Winter, uh, Ed Winter, and he played Colonel Flag. Yeah, remember that yeah. character? Yeah. Well, you know, it's just so funny. He was, in, but he was only on like five or six episodes, uh -huh. but he made an impact on that show that people remember that character all the time. Right. He, but he passed away ten years ago. You know, they're all dying. a lot they're of dying. them are right. Yeah. Well, uh, and what was I watching? You know, I was watching Taxi last night and I saw, you know, this actress. I'm like, who the heck? I remember her and her name was Carlene Watkins. I'm like, Carlene Watkins, IMDb. She was in a show called Best of the West, which was a show that was on, I think, two, one and a half seasons. But I remembered it for some reason because I thought I liked she was married to Ed Weinberger, Weinerberger, who was one of the big taxi producers. Uh -huh. One of those guys was Stan Daniels and, <clears throat> and Sam Simon. And you know, those guys all came to see that scene. Do you remember when we did that video scene for those guys? No. They came from Hollywood and it was Ted Bessel, uh, rest in peace, Ted Bessel, uh, Heidi Perlman, uh -huh. and Sam Simon. They came to and watch they us. they came to Chicago and they had us go into a, some studio or some place and we did that scene for them. And, uh, and they, I don't know why, uh, but they were producing Tracy Ullman at the show right. at the time. Right. And uh, The Simpsons was just starting up 
And so then when I got to Hollywood years, you know, like a year and a half later, guy comes up to me in a bar and he goes, hey, Kenny, I'm Sam Simon. I'm like, oh, nice to meet you. He goes, I produced The Simpsons. And, uh, and you might, I'm, I'm sure you remember, but you don't know I was there, but you did a scene for us at, you know, for Ted Bessel and I. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that video scene. He was like, that blew us away. Oh, That fuck. was unbelievable. And, you know, I, he never said what their intention was to do or whatever, but... You know, that scene got a lot of, uh, I wouldn't say press, but it, it moved things in the right direction, I mean, for, for some of us. But Sam Simon, uh, yeah, what a talent that guy is. And, uh, I just can't believe that I don't remember that. But, it, you know, that doesn't... But, I think but, Jackie was all excited because it was Don, Donald Hollinger, you know. Right. Ted Bessel played Donald right, Hollinger. Right, right, on that girl. That girl. Right. And, um, yeah, and that then, sounds uh, familiar. Yeah, no, we've been we, doing yeah. this for a really long time. That's yeah, true. And you remember, like, you watch a lot of TV, don't you? I still do. Yeah, yeah. I still do. I, I mean, uh, I I can't say I'm real hip on all the newer shows, but uh, you know, I binged watched Breaking Bad and right before that Deadwood. I love Deadwood. Love Deadwood. Love Deadwood. When I saw bits and pieces of it, I was like, oh, okay, he's swearing, you know, right. all big deal. But when you watch the whole thing all together, just so disappointing they didn't come up with another. Oh my God, I felt that way about season. Rome too. I felt that way about the yeah. HBO show Rome. And then I also look at stuff and go, why is this still fucking on the air? Yeah. But God bless, I love working. I love old TV. I still will watch Hogan's Heroes. And now that I know guys who are on Hogan's Heroes, like I knew, like, you know, like they talk about the crew guys. I knew a crew guy, Dorf, on another show I was doing. His dad, he was a property master and his dad was the property master on Hogan's Heroes. You know, and uh, and John Stevenson, who's the he's the guy at the end of Dragnet, who said, you know, uh, oh, right, the name San Quentin uh, Prison. Uh, he's now <laughs> serving at San Quentin Prison. There were two guys, but he was the. He told me he goes, I was Lucy's first TV announcer. You were Lucy's first TV announcer. And yes, yes, and that's the beginning of television. He invented <laughs> Desi Arnaz invented the three camera, right. You know, setup. This guy was at the beginning of it, and then you know I'll see him in Herman uh, on uh, Hogan's Heroes and uh, whatever from time to time. Kills me. My friend Danny Mann, his father was right. on Hogan's Heroes. What was Danny Mann's father? What was he on he Hogan's was, Heroes? Uh, he like played different generals, and then one time he was a an escaped prisoner that they were hiding. Uh-huh. He's also in the Sting. He's the dealer of a card game on a train in the Sting. Got it. In a, got it, a, got it, love this thing. Kind of a chubby guy with yeah. round glasses. I know exactly what you're talking about. And, uh, that's his dad? That's his dad, yeah. His and Danny Mann does a lot of voiceover work. He does. I see him every day. And right. He's at my what are you working on voiceover work? I do mostly commercials. I do mostly uh, uh, ads. And but you're not doing some, animation. Some from time to time. Uh-huh. I did a show called Gravity Falls not too long ago. And uh, Kick Batowski is another show that I was on semi-regularly. Um, but my bread and butter is ad, is advertising. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, um, uh, well, two, thi- two ways I want to go, you know, talking about these old guys here in Hollywood, that's probably one of the things I've enjoyed most out here is seeing and, and working with, you know, not only the Second City people that I loved, because first season of Herman's Head, we had Miriam Flynn as a guest star. Right. And like, here's one of those people from that picture right. at Players Workshop, and I'm getting to work with her. And, and now I work with her almost every day doing voiceovers, too. You know, here's uh, George Went with Improvise. I did this show with him. I, you know, here's Brian Doyle is on my show. Here, Bill Murray, I got to be in Groundhog Day. Right. You know, and, um, and then the, you know, like one episode of Herman's Head years ago, Rosemary and Maury Amsterdam. <laughs> I got to work with Maury Amsterdam. <laughs> and Rosemary. And Rosemary. She's still alive. I know. And I got a, I got Jackie Hoffman an autographed picture from her and stuff. But and and Maury's like, I'm working on a book. I'm working on a book. Look at this. Uh, here's me on Al Capone's boat. <laughs> He's in Lake Michigan on Al Capone's boat. It's for real. <laughs> and you know some of the people from uh, from Andy Griffith, you know, uh, um, or uh, the Dick Van Dyke show. Also, uh, Millie, Millie Helper yeah, was on the show. Yeah, yeah. Anita Gilbert, I think her name was, and uh, Brett Butler. Brett Butler, that's the name. <laughs> okay, go. Okay, keep yeah. going. All right. I just, I just love working with these character actors, yeah. and uh, 
uh, who were some of the others? Ken Mars. Yeah. You know, I uh, love Ken Mars. Uh, Ken, uh, yeah. I mean, that was that was priceless to be. But able Ken to Mars was also one of the old school improvisers, wasn't he? Oh yeah, he's a Second City guy. Yeah. Yeah. Kenneth Mars and uh, Kenneth Mars was in. He was in uh, Producers, wasn't he? Yep. Yeah. He, he played. He played the playwright. He played the playwright. Right. Yeah, Ken Mars, and he just passed away recently. Who's he, the baby? Nobody said baby, <laughs> baby. Who's the baby? We'll never have Führer say baby. <laughs> Führer never said baby. We're, we're going to him or Pat McCormick. Right. Or uh, Howard Morris. Right. Howard Morris, voiceover guy too. Howard Morris, I got to work with him. and uh, Ernest T. Bass, right? He was Ernest T. Bass. Yeah. It's me, it's me, it's Ernest T. <laughs> and that's another character where he only did like six episodes, right. but is but remembered. You, you, oh. All right, we're going to have to stop there. This is going to be the, lo- this is the longest uh, podcast I've ever done. Oh my God. It was really fun. Did we find an out? Do we have an out somewhere? Uh, I'm going to paste an out on an old uh, Gronling scene. <laughs> 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 you fucked my wife. Uh-huh. You know, I can talk about myself for a long time. I know, that's why, that's why I, I had you here. Because <laughs> we need to fill up some time. Um, all right, thank you. <laughs> Today's episode was sponsored by GoDaddy. Thinking about starting a new website? GoDaddy is offering one new or transfer.com for just $1.99 for the first year. Go to GoDaddy.com and enter the code ADDCOMEDY at checkout or click on the GoDaddy banner on our website, ADDCOMEDY.com. Hello, ADD Comedy Podcast listeners. Dave Rosowski here. First off, thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. And second off, if you've ever wanted to take a class with me but thought, gosh, I don't think I'll ever be around where David is, know that you can now take the virtual class at iActing. Just check our website out, and there's a link there. Click on that link, and that will set you up. you got to do a little hunting, but I think that it's well worth it. We'll hear you in your ears. Bye. Thank you for listening to the ADD Comedy Podcast. For Dave Rosowski, I'm Ian Foley. For more information on ADD Comedy, you can visit our website at www.theaddcomedytour.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at ADD Comedy Pod. If you're in the Los Angeles area and you're interested in taking a class with Dave, you can find that information at his website at www.davidrozowski.com. Sound services for the ADD Comedy Podcast was brought to you by Post Apocalyptic.